Alright everybody, welcome back to another video here on Financial Friends. Today you have tuned in to a podcast video series I do here on the channel called This Week in Finance where I take interesting news from This Week in Finance and I discuss them, give you my opinions, give you my insights and thoughts on those topics here on the channel. So if you do like this type of content, go ahead and hit that like button down below. Let's try and get this video to 20 likes. Can we get this video to 20 likes? Thank you very much. Um, and also hit subscribe. You are buying the dip on that subscription. I'm still below that 1,000 subscriber mark. Looking to hit it by the end of the year. Thank you very, very much for your support. Without further ado, this week in finance. So Panera Bread is our first story. They are currently testing in two different locations in upstate New York artificial intelligence technology. Now, the reason we're discussing this today is in previous episodes, I have brought up how technology moving into the food industry is going to be very, very disruptive. Put it this way, a lot of people work in the service industry as a whole, but a lot of people work in the food service or restaurant business as well. A main friction point, call it, for people who run restaurants is how much they have to pay those employees, those waiters, those busboys, um, the cooks, chefs, whatever it might be. Because food is normally a lower margin business, you're trying to cut costs in every single way that you possibly can. You don't want to charge more for the food because that could potentially hamper demand. Instead, you want to fairly price your food so that you can make a good margin on it and pay your workers fair wages. The problem with that is you can't keep up with the wages. Inflation is going up. The cost of food is going up. It means they have to raise their food prices, but they don't necessarily want to have to do. People are also now demanding more because the more food is higher in price, it's expensive, the more that gas goes up, the more that everything goes up, you have to pay workers more to kind of compensate for that, that or workers will demand more to compensate for that. Um, and for that reason, you need to cut costs somewhere. Where are they looking to cut costs because they don't want to make it up in food prices? Artificial intelligence. So that's kind of where we lead here. Um, this could potentially displace thousands of workers. I have here, my estimation would be if artificial intelligence does in fact work, at least here in Panera Bread, they could implement it in roughly a thousand locations and probably cut one to two workers a day. So you could potentially remove one to two workers from your business, which could be 15 to say 20 some odd dollars an hour, potentially 22. We'll talk about that here in a second, um, but could potentially remove all of those wages from thin air, artificial intelligence, boom removed. So the cashier, the person who kind of takes your order and then rings you up, that person could essentially be removed. Someone's still going to have to ring you up and take that cash. Um, but that could be someone kind of floating to and from and, and maybe not someone stationed there. I'm not perfectly familiar with the fast food industry, but I know that this would, I mean, they're not going to implement this for no reason, right? There's going to be some form of cost benefit of this, not having to have an additional person around. And with 45% of Panera's having drive through lanes in roughly their 2000 or so locations, that's give or take about a thousand locations that could use this technology, removing one person, about a thousand people out of work from just Panera bread here in the United States. Imagine if this was compounded among every single fast food chain in the entire country and even overseas because you have people like McDonald's working towards getting that Taco Bell and Burger King getting double drive through lanes to get people through quicker digital orders. And these companies are going to be the same companies looking to implement such a thing that Panera has potentially successfully implemented. So 
We'll see how this works. We'll see if and when restaurants decide to continue to use this type of software, this AI. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But what I do know is that potentially these fast food workers could be making up to $22 an hour if you live in California. There is a FAST Act that is currently in the government within California. This bill is set to create a California Fast Food Council. It's going to be 10 individuals, which could then set wages, working hours, and workplace conditions. Again, capping minimum wage increases at $22 an hour. That is absolutely insane. And I don't necessarily mean that in a good or a bad way. I just mean that if people working at McDonald's, and I'm not making fun of anybody or dissing anybody, but people working at McDonald's, if they are making $22 an hour, that means that people that are currently making $22 an hour are going to have to make more. There's not someone who is you know, plugging and chugging different numbers into Excel sheets, potentially running big data that might be making $22 an hour, maybe bank employees or, or whatever it might be. They're going to demand a higher wage. And it is California, so things are very expensive. That's obviously the reason this is kind of put out there in the first place. This is only going to worsen the problem because you're going to have more people making more money, which means more things are going to have to be more expensive. So I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. Uh, the U.S. president of McDonald's, Joe Erlinger, did say, look, price, or wage increases are very important. And he actually says aggressive wage increases are not bad, but it's essential to increase restaurant worker wages and protect their welfare. Um, this should be a restaurant-wide type of benefit. He doesn't like to think that if someone owns two different McDonald's, because it's a big national large chain, that they would have to abide by these new rules and not someone who owns 20 different restaurants that are not a part of a chain. So this kind of creates this political atmosphere of, well, if I have to do it, he has to do it. Or if I have to do it, she has to do it. Um, roughly 10% of McDonald's locations are positioned in California. That's obviously going to create more costs for the franchisees, which McDonald's is trying to fight against. I think this is something we really have to keep our eye on, especially because I'm an investor in McDonald's, but this could shake up a lot of different things, especially the economic climate within California itself. Next up, Walmart is raising prices for Sam's Club membership. So if you did not know, Sam's Club is owned by Walmart, which is the parent company. They have an annual membership fee. You have to pay, you can see here, $45, now $50 to be a club member. And if you want to get the higher plus tier, uh, you used to be $100 and now it is $110. Now, Sam's Club cites a ton of different upgrades to the experience at Sam's Club for the reason why they are increasing this price. They note here, curbside at stores offered same-day home delivery, refreshed the Members Mark, which is its private brand, launched Scan & Go. Um, they also carried brands now as Eddie Bauer, La Mer, Banana Republic, and even some of its bakery treats have gotten a gourmet spin. I will say of all of these things, Scan and Go is worth an extra $5 a month. Let me tell you, Scan and Go is absolutely amazing. Walk into the store, pick up the items, scan the items, walk out. That's it. Obviously an honor system here, but if anyone has ever shopped at a wholesale type of store, I know at least in obviously particular to Sam's Club, they take your receipt and they scan it. You get a virtual receipt on your cell phone. 
They take that, they scan it, and they scan a couple items in your cart, making sure that you paid for the items. Now, obviously, you could game the system, and potentially they don't scan everything that you know is on the thing, and they just leave the free stuff. I'm not not endorsing that whatsoever, but it could be done. Point being, um, it's an amazing feature, but does kind of rely on the honor system and do with that what you will. Anyways, um, there's a lot of benefits to this five or so dollar increase that they are now rolling out. The one thing I will note is Costco, which is a major competitor to Sam's Club, says they are not going to raise prices now. It is $60 a year to belong to Costco with $120 for its gold tier. So that is $10 more for the gold tier and $10 more for the kind of club basic membership as is. But their CEO said, I could tell you that we think about it every single year, but not right now. In terms of the membership fee, it's not on the table at the moment. I made it very clear. I do not think it is the right time. They raised their prices on average. I think it was cited every about five and a half years or so. This is the first time we saw an increase in Sam's Club membership in nine years. So a little bit of difference there between the two companies. Our major competitors might be something I explore for a video here at some point. Granted, obviously Walmart is dominated by Walmart, not Sam's Club. Moving forward, this is a massive story that I wanted to cover. I have been harping on Snapchat for a long time and I think this could be good for them. I think that Snapchat finally realized what we were all telling them from a distance. You cannot be something that you are not. This business is not a hardware business. This business is not a Snap original premium show business. But instead, this is ad revenue, which unfortunately they don't quite have a really good platform for. And now an augmented reality business. And that is what they are finally focusing on. Snapchat shares pop on plans to cut 20% of their staff. That's a fifth um, of their staff um, and completely restructure the business. So what the CEO, Evan Spiegel, has said is this. While we have built substantial capital reserves and made extensive efforts to avoid reductions in the size of our team by reduced spending in other areas, we must now face the consequences of our lower revenue growth. We all knew that was going to happen when you're doing things you're not supposed to and adapt to the market environment. Here it is. We are restructuring our business to increase focus on three strategic priorities, community growth, Again, extremely important. If you want to continue to generate ad revenue, you need more and more and more eyeballs on the things that are going to be displaying ads. Revenue growth, I think those two kind of coincide. So they want to bring in more money from the top and then work its way down to earnings, right? Um, That being ad revenue and augmented reality. Augmented reality is the big one. Something that is held Basically, everybody's attention on Snapchat for at least five to 10 minutes before is a filter. You've had some fun putting filters on random people, and instead, they're going to be, as CNBC quotes here, nuked. (laughs) It's Snap Mini's third-party apps and Snap Games. Um, They're winding down Zenly Map and Voicey music feature. Didn't even know these were things. Um, And they're getting rid of those. And instead, they're going to focus on augmented reality and bringing more people onto the platform, probably so they can push more ads down your throat. This is a good thing for the business. This is what they needed. Uh, There's a number that was thrown around in here. 
$500 million in cost savings. And obviously, they're going to be cutting staff, which I'm sure has something to do with that number. And they're also appointing a COO, which is going to be Jerry Hunter. He was the senior vice president of engineering. So this company is moving from something that was a social platform that I think was really a wannabe social platform back to growing its community of probably people messaging their friends on the platform, pushing ads down your throat while you do so, which is fine if that's how the company wants to make money, and augmented reality. Moving on. This is good for Snapchat. I'm happy for them. All right. Disney. Disney is looking to become the Amazon Prime of entertainment, exploring a membership-like program. Now, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but let me kind of pitch you an idea, if you will. Let's think of Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, you get a discount at Whole Foods, you get two-day shipping, you get some movies, you get, right, you get all these things. Imagine if Disney bundled ESPN+, Disney+, Hulu, which they're already doing, and then they gave you kind of similar, think of a credit card, a $50 credit for some form of airline, a one-night discounted rate or free night at any Disney hotel, Disney Plus exclusive merchandise if you are a member to this program, let's say you're watching Disney Plus, you're watching a movie, all of a sudden you can navigate on your device up to the merchandise section or when the show's over, there's a QR code like they've already mentioned they're testing. You scan the QR code, you can buy exclusive merchandise because your membership grants you access to a different tier of Disney Plus which allows you to purchase things from the movie. A t-shirt with a special scene on it, a stuffed animal of some character. And you get all the other things I mentioned for $300 a year. Would you do it? Would you maybe go to Disney every year? Because you got to use your statement credit, the $50 statement credit. You got to use the free night. You got to buy something. I mean, you're paying for it. You're going to buy something from the show. This is an opportunity, in my personal opinion, and I made very clear in my notes to make sure I tell all of you, they have to do it right. If Disney messes this up, it's just going to crumble. You have to add enough that you have to push the envelope in adding value. You cannot touch something like Amazon Prime. Two-day shipping is a single feature that in and of itself encompasses millions of people to subscribe to Amazon Prime. Regard, No one uses half the stuff that Amazon Prime grants. Nobody. But you know what they use? Two-day shipping. So you can't just bundle something together and expect for people to just buy it because it's now bundled and it somewhat is a value. You can't expect that. You have to add true value. And I think something like $50 off of a flight, a free night in a hotel, access to something in Disney+, Plus, bundling the three things and technically the average price of that bundle being lower than a normal bundle. You have to do special things for people that decide to become a part of this program, but you can't exclude people too much to make them feel like they're missing out if they don't have it. It has to be just a perfect balance. So what can this do? This can create massive amounts 
of revenue for the company. A reoccurring membership at 300 something dollars, 150, 200 something dollars could be huge. But not only that, like Amazon, two-day shipping incentivizes customers to purchase more from the website. Do you know what that does? It drives more revenue. Now, obviously the e-com business suffering, yada, yada, whatever. If Disney can get you to show up to Disney World from Michigan, from Maine, from Oregon, places that people normally are not visiting every single year, like people in California or Florida might be, this is a huge opportunity. They're not going to make money on the hotel for the one night that they give people for free. They're not going to make money on the maybe the merchandise that they're selling in the you know exclusive store. They're going to make money from you flying from Oregon to California, from Oregon to Florida, and stepping foot. You're not going to deny the cotton candy, the extra snacks, the Disney, uh, downtown Disney experience, the um, fast pass ride. You're not going to, you're not going to skip those. That's where the real money is made. Let me know your thoughts on this down below. I'm very curious to see what people think about this potential Amazon Prime like membership program. It could be really, really huge. Last thing, Starbucks has officially named their new CEO, Howard Schultz is going to be sticking by, and pardon if I pronounce his name a little bit incorrectly, Laxman Narasimham Sinan. He's going to be sticking by his side from October until April, allowing him to learn the business, understand the business, um, and then he will be stepping in as the company's CEO. Now, Laxman was the previous CEO of Reckitt, which was uh, the owner of Lysol, Mucinex, Durex, um, a health and hygiene company, as they quote here. Um, And again, he'll be stepping in from October, kind of learning about the company. They say their reinvention plan before assuming the CEO position in April. Now, the two things that stick out to me were before his tenure at Reckitt, he was actually CEO, I'm sorry, CEO, global chief commercial officer at Pepsi and worked at McKinsey. McKinsey is a consulting company. They produce more CEOs than any of the top IVs or anything like that. He has the capability to really transform this company. The one thing that concerns me is he has to understand the future and the vision and really understand the culture of what Starbucks is. Starbucks appeals to a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons, but they're fighting this unionization right now. And for Starbucks, it's a big hamper. It really is. This gentleman has to be able to step in to convince people that there's some form of reinvention to kind of slash the unionization, continue to push forward, continue to create a good culture, and to elevate a brand that is pretty much in the eyes of most people already elevated. Can he do it? I'll be watching from the sidelines. I obviously have a decent position in this company. I buy $5 of stock every time I buy a coffee. I enjoy Starbucks. I use their products. I use their coffee beans. I use... um, their, their, their physical businesses. I go into them. I, I work on my computer and stuff. So I will be very, very closely attached to this company, just as I hope um, Mr. Nara Simhan is very, very close with Mr. Howard Schultz as they continue to reinvent Starbucks. So Schultz will also remain on the board afterwards. He's done this job for a really, really long time. He's going to be able to give guidance. I think that him sticking around is a good thing for the business. Um, 
really in general. I mean, he was one of the most successful CEOs for this company as of late, obviously stepping back in with a $1 salary to kind of smooth things over after the previous CEO left and to navigate a business that desperately needs good navigation through some troublesome times for the company. So that has been everything. Like I said, let me know what you think about the Disney thing. That was really the story I was most excited for. Go ahead and hit that like button if you do enjoy my commentary, my thoughts. Leave your commentary, your thoughts down below in the comment section. Hit subscribe to push us towards 1,000 subscribers, and I will see you all in the next one. Take care.